The Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, awarded Australia's most trusted energy provider by CanStar three times. Maybe it's time you switch to Red. And for Prince Wine Store, Bank Street, South Melbourne and delivering Australia-wide, princewinestore.com.au. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkins. Welcome everybody to episode 275, isn't that a nice round number, and how appropriate of Don't Shoot the Messenger, because Corrie Perkin is back in town, sitting. we're sitting opposite each other in a studio, Corrie. For the first time in a long time. For the first time since the third week of May, if you can believe it. So, oh goodness me! It, I know, and now we're now we're deep into July. In fact, we're almost in August. Well, we have talked. We we've, have talked in that time. We've talk, we were, talked. Talked. We've, we've travelled through Florence together, but we haven't sat in this studio. No, we haven't. There's a lot to talk about. You are literally off the plane. I am literally off the plane. It was just so joyful to leave Rome at 40 degrees. That was a really foul couple of days. Although we just kept walking and just. I reckon I got up to about 227 bottles of mineral water, Caro, for that trip. I understand um, I understand that, you know, you leave Rome in 40 degrees and it's warm on a plane, but it's a bit optimistic to walk into Melbourne in a summer frock. I'm well, sorry. I mean, surely you well, packed... Well, I wanted to show off my suntan. No, that's, <laughs> that is a joke, everybody. Surely you packed the warm track seriously, suit. I do not sunbake anymore. Um, no, I just couldn't be bothered getting it out of my overnight gear. The whole plane erupted with laughter when the Emirates... Uh, captain said, thanks for flying with us and we're about to arrive in Melbourne where the temperature is three degrees. So you can imagine how everybody who'd had a, who'd been swanning around Italy and Greece felt about that. Anyway. Your hair all... stood the test of time, did you? You must have had a secret blow away I had in a Rome. secret blow away, yes, with um, with Chris, uh, Chris, Chris, Christoffel, I think, because I kept thinking his name is the same as that very expensive cutlery wear that's available. Christoffel was his name. And, um, yep, it was it was a good blow wave. It wasn't very expensive. I've got lots of tips about where to get a blow wave in Rome, um, where to, where to, all the cool, all, all the literally cool cafes, because some cafes don't have good air con, some have some great. So I think we sort of went from church. Churches are very cool, so that was a good place to be. And, um yeah, and cafe. I love Rome, Carol. I know you and I talk about this all the time. What's our favourite city in the world? And I always opt for opt for Rome, and you opt for oh, Rome is mine too. Oh, is it? I thought, yeah. you, I thought you were Paris. No, no, I love Paris, but Rome is Rome's the best city in the world. It is the best city in the world. It's so accessible. It's really easy to walk around, and oh, there are so many things to love about Rome. But it was just a reminder again when I was there how comfortably the Italians can live with ancient culture. So that so there'll be a Roman pillar that's just standing there. And then somebody at some point, maybe in the 20s, 1920s, or even earlier, perhaps perhaps 19th century, they've just whacked on an apartment building on the back of the pillar. So, so they've kept the pillar there intact, but they're living around it. Uh, you know, it's, it's spectacular. Fantastic. London, London probably deserves a mention too. Now, listen, I've got, I've got one apology from a few weeks ago. I know we're going to talk a fabulous little Italian recipe you're going to share. I've been to see Barbie and I'm really looking forward to talking to you oh, about yay, that. can't wait. We've got so many books to review, but you've got one for this week. But two weeks ago, I gave my friend Tanya's perfect musica recipe. Now, Tanya, it was a Tin Eats recipe. I was surprised it had panko crumbs in it. 
Tanya was completely horrified when she realised she'd given me the wrong recipe and she has now sent me the authentic, proper recipe. Um, it's by a Greek chef, Akis Petritsikis, um, and it's um, been translated from Greek, so excuse, excuse some of the clunky descriptions. But And she would say, grill the vegetables, don't fry them in oil. It makes it lighter and less rich. And um, so sorry, everyone, about the wrong musaka recipe. And while I'm on a roll, um, we were talking grumpy last week. See, Corrie, this is something that will seem foreign to you about the lack of good pubs on our side of the river. I was here for that conversation. Oh, you were too, because you were on, well, yeah. you weren't here, but you were. In... I mean, I was over there, but I was on, on the airwaves with you. Yes, well, we had a big discussion about that. Well, Fiona Breeden says try the Orong Hotel in Armidale, which, yeah, Yes, no, not, well, not a bad been, suggestion. And, it, and it's been renovated uh, and it's it's not half bad. And then the one also in High Street, Paran, uh, called um, on the corner of High Street and Williams Road, gone out of my head completely. Yes. You and I have been there before with a group yeah, of but book, no, but that's see, that, that's Mount Erica. Sorry, the Mount Erica. The Mount Erica is great, but it's not a classic pub anymore. No, that's true. It, you're right. The classic pub. The rising sun in South Melbourne gets a mention. And while we're in South Melbourne, obviously we love... Bell's Hotel, and that is just a great – you will always get a seat at a bar somewhere at Bell's, but I just mean that in terms of an old-fashioned inner-city pub. You're right. Caro, uh, there was a, a little bit of correspondence – well, there always is, actually. It comes and goes, your tips um, to Amsterdam. Merrin Eagle has uh, sent in an email to us. Nice to hear from you, Merrin. Thank you. She says, have been following Cara's trips back to Amsterdam and thought that she might like to know that the two latest editions of the podcast, The Rest is History, focus on the history of Amsterdam. Merrin, can I tell you, I listened to both episodes back to back on the aeroplane. As a result of reading your email come in, I think it might have been last week when it arrived in all of our inboxes. And, you know, sometimes on an aeroplane, particularly that big from if you're doing the Dubai-Melbourne thing. That's a big kind of 14 hours. You don't always feel like reading the whole time or watching back-to-back movies. So I listened to a couple of podcasts, probably had a bit of a snooze as well. But it is interesting, Carol. You would love, I mean, your brother Will and I are huge fans of the Rest is History podcast, but the two episodes on Amsterdam, you would find it really interesting. I, well, you know, that book Amsterdam that I recommended a couple of years ago, which is just fascinating. It, the story of Amsterdam is is so fascinating. Started and as a dam. It's amazing. Literally. Yep. And it's below, below sea level. And it was a centre of so much. So in much. In Europe from the sort of 14th, 15th century. Thank you, Merrin. And thanks, Kelly Martin, who enjoyed Miles's rum discussion. And she says to try at... Burdekin rum. It's an Australian agricole rum made in North Queensland. Gorgeous bottle too. We, um, funnily enough, um, we were at a dinner the other night, and um, our friend Johnny, who makes great cocktails, made dark rum daiquiris, and they were brilliant. I thought you were doing Dry July. I didn't have one. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I was having I was having my Banks Botanicals and my Heineken Double Zero. I think after what I've been doing the last five weeks, I need a dry August, September, October, and November. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's been a long month, a long month. Um, oh, Julie B is not impressed about Damien Hardwick coaching the Gold Coast. She's a Gold Coast supporter. She'd rather lose than win under Damien Hardwick. Gee, that's a, a bit rough. There you go. Now, Corrie, you're home in Melbourne, and I want to tell you why it's great to be home. Oh, well. 
Okay. For a start, we're almost at the end of July, so the days are getting super long. Oh, do you know what? I actually noticed that, Caro, because as you know, like you, I'm an early riser. And so once we came through the, uh, we picked up our luggage and we were in the taxi this morning. It was about 10 past, quarter past six, maybe, half past six. And it was light. There was a little bit of light. And I had, that disappeared in about the end of April. Not to be seen. So I'm very happy that we're getting closer to the summer solstice. Um, we we are getting well. We're past the some. We're past the past um, the winter solstice. The, way yes. past it. I mean, you. I think you were probably almost still in Melbourne when the winter sol or just leaving. Anyway, we're at the business end of the football season, mm, and that is absolutely so exciting. And it's a flat time of year for footy stories, but it's going to really hot up in the next few weeks. Hellebores are out, and I say that because Miss Jane has just entered with the oh. most beautiful bunch. Jane, nice of you to turn up, Jane. <laughs> oh, I, sh- I should explain to Potties that we've Carol and I have been going rogue at the start of this show because Janie had uh, was dropping young Hugh off at school and all was forgiven because, of course, Jane lives in the country, so she has she has to drive Hugh to school at about four thirty in the morning. But your hellebores are absolute, or Christmas roses, as they're known in other parts of the world, are absolutely beautiful, Jane. Corrie. Um Anna from the op shop recommended that wonderful light show that's still on at the Botanic Gardens and people have absolutely raved about. So there's something else. And Caro, tell me about this uh, Pierre Bonnard exhibition at the NGV, which well, everybody's saying is a must go to. Well, it received a horrible review in the Australian. I, did, I read that while I was I mean, away. it was really quite scathing. And um, so I thought, oh, maybe I won't go. And then everyone I know who has been has said that it's been designed by India Madhavi and people have criticised the use of new and old. I don't know what what they weren't. I mean, I I remember the review was scathing. That's all I remember. Everyone who has been has said it is absolutely beautiful. Mm. So Pierre Bonnard would be one of the good reasons, I'm telling you, Corrie, to be back in Melbourne. I think, you know, it, it is great to go to the market and buy winter products instead of, you know, you can still obviously buy, you know, fabulous tomatoes and asparagus and anything you want really these days. But just focus on winter and some really, you know, cooking back in your own kitchen, it's not such a bad thing. It's actually really nice and empowering. And, um, you know, there's your great local cheap and cheerfuls, you know, your great local Asian restaurant. It's fabulous to be home for. Walks along your own beach. I don't know. It's just, um, it's very nice to be back surrounded by all of your own things. I think you're going, and you've got a massive, you're really, you've landed from the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> I, you, yeah, I've got a little bit of work on. You've got about four book clubs. <laughs> you've got a big event on in, well, is it in Flinders this weekend? Well, two, two actually. So this is the, the sessions on the Voice to Parliament. It's a discussion and we're having it at the Flinders pub and we've, the first, the first uh, event was is scheduled for Saturday afternoon. That booked out in a couple of days with a maximum of two. I think it's two hundred and twenty people or something. So with Marcia Langton and Rachel Perkins and Rachel, the brilliant film director and Indigenous uh, activist, she's down from New South Wales. So we thought, well, while she's here and she's staying the night. Why don't we ask if if we might get the band back together again on the Sunday morning, which is indeed what's happening. So between 11 and 1, we're doing the same session again, an information session, stressing that. 
Well, Caro, that booked out in about a week. So I've got, I've got a bit of planning to do. But I tell you what, um, you know, if you're asking me things I'm looking forward to in winter or now that I'm home, one of the things I can't wait, and I hope that this book is uh, has arrived in my post office box, David McAllister, who you and I love, the former artistic director of the Australian Ballet, has written a second book, a non-fiction book about ballet. And this is more the life of ballet and um, the practice of ballet. His first book was it was a memoir, an autobiography, which was brilliant a couple of years ago called Saw. And, um, and he did a great job with that. Well, He's coming to one of our South Yarra library sessions. I'm telling Potties this because if you do love David McAllister like Carol and I do, you'll want to come and meet him and have a chat and hear at the South Yarra library on the 16th of August uh, at 6pm and uh, everybody is welcome but you do have to book and I think the way you do it is probably just jump onto the South Yarra Library website. That's pretty shocking that I don't have a link for that. But it's Wednesday the 16th, uh, 16th. PM till seven PM. Sixteenth of August. Sixteenth of August. What did Me- I say? Yeah, no, you yeah, just said the 16th. Yeah, 16th. Meanwhile, the um, Australian ballet goes from strength to strength. I, the, oh. Giselle is the one, the Tokyo Ballet Company, I didn't get tickets to. Really regret it now. It, yeah. had, it has had rave reviews. It's had great reviews. Jules. I want to see the kids. I want to take the kids to see Romeo and Juliet. I think that's in September. Yep. Well, I'm, we're going to see, Mum and I are doing Swan Lake in September. Oh, it must co- be Swan Lake. Yeah. That, that's what we're doing, Swan Lake. That's right. And yep, Jules was gone. absolutely wonderful. So there's, um, and, you know, you'll have a few nights. Nights where you just want to sit at home by the fire. Well, I, and I can just tell you, Corrie, Idris Elba in Hijack. Okay. You, boy, have you got it. The episodes are dropping every Wednesday. There I've, are two been, to I've go. heard about this. I can't wait. Look, I, when you said to me, what are some things that you're looking forward to? Oh, you, obviously, family is, 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 that's a no brainer. And of course, Panda who's been babysat so brilliantly by Coco and Charlie over the past five weeks. Can't wait to see the dog. But, uh, you know, I'm more kind of superficial. But important to me, real tea, Caroline Wilson, real oh, tea yes. in a teapot. Yep, that's with been fre- good. With fresh milk, not long-life milk. That's been good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And um, the getting back to work routine, I think, would be very good for my scatty brain. Walks along the beach, as you said, I've written that down as a big priority. Can't wait to get back to Maggie's yoga studio at Ocean Beach Yoga. Done that. And, oh, good on you. <laughs> and, yeah, I've got to, I've really got to stretch this body. And, um, and you know, Friday or Saturday night with a bowl of soup in front of the fire watching the footy. There's just nothing better, really. So going into finals week, week, month. So, And I'm also looking forward to an event at the State Library that you and Mike Sheehan and our special football guest, who we can't name yet, because um, his team may or may not be in the finals, so we're waiting. But we're going to have this amazing discussion the week before the grand final at the State Library of Victoria. So Potties will tell you more about that a bit later on, but that's going to be a wonderful night too. So there is a lot to look forward to. I'd like to get out of my summer dress right now. Thanks very much. I'm a bit cold. There, there are so many cliches about home. You know, home is where the heart is. There's no place like home. And you know what? It really is true. It really is true. It, it, it is when you get home, you realise things are pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Melbourne and is a very good city. Melbourne Airport isn't a good city to come back in, a good airport to come back into. But Melbourne is a great city to come yeah, home to. Yeah, don't talk to me about baggage handlers at Tullamarine Airport. Caro, I must say one of the things that I was really surprised about is we're all pre- pretty particular about our bedding. 
Everybody has a favourite pillow. Everybody says, you know what, they have the perfect bed or at home or something. Italian beds tend to be hard in hotels and guest houses and everything. They tend to be quite hard and firm. The bed, I'm the a bed convert. You, the bed you stayed in in... In Lake Como, you know how I had that little yeah. annex room? I actually sat on the bed on my last night. That was a really hard bed. It was a bit of a nun's bed. It was like a ball. Oh, speaking of nuns. Um, <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> speaking of nuns, do you remember when you told us the funny story of when we went to the Astor Theatre that night and you came out and you were walking down Chapel Street and a nun walked out of the pizza parlour with, you know, with four capriciosas. <laughs> Got into the and, car. You know, I mean, why? Of course nuns can eat. Of course they can eat pizza, but it just it's a funny visual image. Well, we were at Rome Airport checking in, and there were two nuns, tiny women, like very small, very petite women, and they had five bags, five cases of luggage, like not your carry-on, Caro, like Big, we've been shopping at Gianni Versace kind of shopping, like big bags. Plus they had Extra backpacks. habits? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nuns are allowed to go shopping, although they don't... No, we- <laughs> what's in the bag? <laughs> like what? Presents for their no, family? Uh, well, you know, I was... I was, So the queue takes forever, as you know, when you're like, you know, those of us who do economy, we stand in a long queue for a long time. And the nuns were right in front of me. And I was just, I kept saying to Pete, do you think they've just shopped up a storm with new brown shoes and tights and and habits and, <laughs> and crucifixes? <laughs> and what's in the five bags of luggage? Anyway, why? You should have asked them. Of course nuns can have five five suitcases, but anyway, I don't know what was happening there. Oh, so it's so lovely me. to be back. And, of course, um, we have to thank Red Energy, our show sponsor, and Prince Wine Store. And speaking of Prince Wine Store, Carol, I seem to recall last week Miles said he was going to talk to us this week about Reds. So shall we bring in the cocktail cabinet? And here is Miles Thompson from Miles Thompson, I should say. <laughs> Hello, Miles from Prince Wine Store. Miles, He's only come a mile. <laughs> before you kick off, um, I just want to thank Amy, one of our listeners. She's got in touch after I bemoaned the quality of non-alcoholic wine, and he actually has an Instagram. I think it's called Dry But Wet. He has a couple of interesting-looking suggestions um, that she's awarded ten out of ten. One, I'm going to try. Tread softly everything except Prosecco, 10 out of 10. And there's a Sangria Altina and there's a Thompson and Scott Naughty Rosé, 10 out of 10. But, Miles, let's get stuck into some serious good winter reds. Some real wine. Yep, (laughs) let's do it. (laughs) Two winter reds. I kind of went with Aussie just to sort of keep it local. Um, It's not Victoria local, but sort of... Uh, South Oz local, but so I'll go. I'll go the cheapy first, and I'll go the sort of more premium. So the first, this one we actually tried yesterday. We've had it before at work. It's the Bleasdale Wild Fig SGM. So just SGM because it's got a little more Shiraz than Grenache. Often they're GSMs. What does that mean? So Shiraz, Grenache, Mavede. So SGM, and normally, yeah, and normally it's the other way around. So and fig. Wild fig. It's just the just the name of the coupe. Oh, it's not so it's, a. It's it doesn't not a have fig in it or anything like that. I was going to no, say, no. my lordy, I've never tasted that. No, no, no. But look, this this I think a couple of years ago, one maybe three years ago, I can't remember. One, the Jimmy Watson, which is the sort of best in show at the at the Vic Wine Show at the uh, main sort of show here. So that's a big big trophy for something that is about twenty bucks on the shelf. 
so to win an overall like wow. best in show. Yeah, so really fantastic. So we hadn't seen it in a little while, and this is the new vintage, and we were like, yeah, this is just fantastic again. This love very sort of mid-weight, slippery sort of red fruits, this lovely kind of clove spice. It's tinged with like a little bit of sort of like orange peel, this lovely sort of warming sort of like lovely sort of mid-weight palette. Um, everything, you know, very sort of easy to drink, lots of just lovely sort of soft sort of plush fruits, but still like lots of interest, a little bit of kind of herb and stuff. And it's really like really sort of very much over delivers. It's actually one of those wines where you kind of, I don't actually know how they do it for the price. It's Bleasdale. really excellent. Bleasdale Wild, yeah, so it's Langhorn Creek, which is also, you know, people probably like, oh, yeah, Langhorn Creek. It's not Barossa or Adelaide Hills or Yarra Valley. But um, they do a really fantastic job across the board. We've, we've sort of promoted a few things from them in the store before, but this was a real winner at the sort of tasting panel yesterday. It sounds really delicious, especially for $20. Especially now I'm getting back to let's have a veal stew, I was told, on the aeroplane. Sure. No, not for dinner tonight. I'm stressed I'm not that superwoman. I'm I'm not, I made also buco last week. It was really good to have that again too. Yeah. I've got to stock up the pantry and get ready for cooking again before I throw myself into that. But that sounds like a lovely red mm. to have with something like that. And well, what we else? Got, we got gifted a... a Someone was leaving the country and they gave us a slow cooker, so. Perfect. And have you got anything else for us? Yeah, and then the other one is the, um, this is a really fantastic little wine. This is uh, Jim Barry out of the Clare Valley, um, who are very sort of famous in particular for their Rieslings. But this is their St. Clair Dry Red Cabernet Malbec. Now, Clare Valley has some awesome Cabernet, but it has in particular some really fantastic Malbec. And this is a bit of a nod, I guess you would say, to Wendery, I don't know if listeners know Wendery or if ladies you know Wendery, really sort of cult Australian wine producer. Um, and they're just famous for a particular style of wine and it sort of harks back to these kind of old school Australian reds that were sort of mid-weight, super lush, plush, lovely ripe sort of rich fruits without being super like massive or sort of overblown like some of those big Barossa sort of Shirazes, but had all that sort of lovely sweet fruit. And then this lovely kind of, you know, I guess you call it like Aussie bush track kind of salt bush, sage kind of herb notes, this lovely kind of clove spice, really sort of heady, but also really vibrant. It is such a wonderful wine. It kind of reminds, we were sort of talking about it when it came across the table a couple of months ago of these, these kind of like old school reds that sort of people, you know, pulled out of their cellars mm-hmm. and you know, they bought them for like $3 a, a bottle, you know, in the, in, the, in the 60s or whatever. And they sort of went, you know, just kind of were forgotten about. And then sort of now we're sort of the wine industry sort of going back, realizing that we can make these really fabulously like lovely fruited wines that aren't overblown, big alcohols, lots of wood, but have all those kind of lovely heady aspects about them. This is like watching a film about food when you're really hungry, (laughs) (laughs) listening to wines being reviewed when you haven't had a drink for nearly a month. I don't want to to pull the overseas card again, but I had in um, Bologna, which is known for its ragu. It's just Mm. one one of the local dishes. And so on the last night there had a pasta ragu with a heavy red, a frescobaldi, I think it was, mm-hmm. red. And I don't, as Carol knows, and you know, I don't usually yeah, go for a heavy, a heavy red. Mm. But it was an absolutely perfect combo. The 
beautiful pasta with the with the ragu sauce, and they don't use tomato. I have to add too; that always makes such a difference. But this really gorgeous red, mm. and and so it wasn't like I was having a heavy meaty meal with gravies and things. You know, it was kind of a light meat meal with the heavy red. It was a great combo. Mm. It was really good. It's yeah. yummy. And this Clear Valley wine, yep. how much do we pay for that? So it's seventy dollars. So. Gosh, there's a difference in price there, Miles. There is, yeah. I thought I'd get something. We we told Miles, we asked Miles to do it expensive. And and something something cheap and something premium. But I tell you what, we we sold a ton uh, when we offered it and... It was just one of those wines when you sort of we were all in the tasting room and there's you know people there that are a lot more experienced than me and everyone was sort of just like kind wow. of ooing and ahhing and cooing kind of over this wine because we we're like oh this is so good and it's a 2016 so it's already like got some age on it but that's the current release and you know like if you bought it you, ten years out of it no problem at all. It's, Carol, it's we a might have to have wine. that when we have our Flory gang, our Florence mm. gang, for our. Dinner, a little group dinner. We should I, get a, that beautiful red in and try maybe it. Ju- maybe just yeah. I <laughs> just think you and I. I. Yeah, I think <laughs> no, no, seventy dollars. Thank you, your tide. I think for a group you'd really impress, and it's probably you know may, maybe something that like in that style that maybe a lot of people haven't sort of tried. But it before. also sounds it's, like it's, a lo- it's, really, it's a great. One. It sounds like a lovely one for a gift. You know, if you're asked to it's go to someone's house absolutely. for dinner to give them the gift of the red wine, would be lovely. And that's what I think too. For something that's you know seventy bucks, it's on the special side. That's often what a lot of people are sort of looking for. You know, fifty. To seventy, if they're going to someone's house for a birthday or something, they want something a bit special. Yeah, and the I name, think this the is name special. Again. So it's the Jim Berry Saint Clair Red, and this is the Cabernet Malbec. They do a, a straight Malbec too, but it's really the Cab Malbec that's like in the sweet spot. And it's a 2016, yeah. So it's already kind of softened right. up with a bit of age. Yeah. So this Jim Berry's kind of got the 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 sons are sort of pretty much taken over now. Um, they're sort of running it, and they're just really doing fantastic things and. We just were, we just love this wine, and I thought it was like a perfect, perfect. Could wine be for one this. also, Miles. Next time we have our Prince Wine Store, don't shoot the messenger mm. tasting night. Maybe we could yeah. throw that in. It would be great. It's it would be so nice for people to see these kinds of wines. I hope They're we're really going to do that again, Miss Jane, sometime soon. Yeah, we should. When when Caro's not doing Dry July, Miles, that was brilliant. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. And remember, use the promo code M E or in store for your ten percent listener discount. And for our interstate potties, Prince Wine Store can deliver Australia wide. Corey, it's now time for BSF for Red Energy. Um, we might have a little bit of news over the next few weeks. Um, about our great friends at Cobram. I'm just going to leave it at that. Just going to leave it at that, Corrie. Mr. Cobram. Mr. Cobram, who I received the most beautiful gift from um, Mr. Cobram. Excuse me? Well, you've been away, Corrie. You've been away. And it was. Jane, a, did you take my gift while I was away? It was a, it's nice it, to see you, Jane. <laughs> Hello, Jane. You look so good, Corrie. You look tanned and green. Yeah, yeah. Well, wrinkled. I am creased. Tanned and Italy fresh. <laughs> she wasn't going to say creased. She was did trying you ta- to. Did you take my cobram? I haven't seen the cobram no, no, yet. This, but I'm this very was excited. actually delivered surprisingly to my front door, a home delivery, and it is a. a it was a first press, like a, a, a beautiful gift box of cobram olive oil, and I'm just gonna just gonna leave it at that, Corrie. Do you? 
Do just you? leave it at okay, that. Okay, all right. Okay. More news on that in a moment. Now you have cl- we've got so many books to review over the next few weeks because we've been reading. Well, when you travel, you read a lot more, and when you fly, you read a lot more. But I'm so looking forward to hearing about this Joseph O'Connor book. <clears throat> okay, so Caro, a, a thriller, a suspense is what you need on a holiday, uh, but. I am not, as you know, I'm not the David Baldacci, Michael Connolly kind of uh, Lee Child kind of um, thriller person. I'll leave that to other people in my family. I like a good literary thriller and boy, oh boy, have I found a new pinup boy in Joseph O'Connor, the Irish writer. I don't know whether you've ever read any Joseph O'Connor before, Caro. He's uh, 60 nominated for a number of awards. In fact, his novel Shadow Play won the 2019 Irish Book Award, but he's also been shortlisted for the Costa, which is a prestigious novel award, comes out of uh, the UK, and also the Booker Prize. And so I was very keen to read this thing called My Father's House, primarily because of the cover (laughs) Never judge a book, but I did by its cover because on the front of it is is the, is it's a drawing or it might be a photograph. It's hard to tell which, but of a priest, the the back of a priest, and he is clearly at St Peter's, Rome, at the Vatican, and looking out, and it's called My Father's House, and it's set in Rome at the time of the Nazi occupation at the end of 1943, just as the Allied troops are working their way through the boot of Italy and about to approach Rome, and so the SS commander in charge of Rome is absolutely paranoid and, of course, receiving increasingly hysterical instructions from Adolf Hitler in headquarters Berlin, stop this, there are traitors, there are partisans, kill everybody. So, of course, the Vatican had, uh, and this is all a true story, the Vatican um, had immunity, so... Uh, Joseph O'Connor has placed his key character is a is an Irish priest, and the Irish priest is actually working with the partisans to smuggle uh, British, mostly British, some American as well, uh, airmen and soldiers who have been either captured or in danger of being captured by the Nazis as the Allies work their way through Italy, and they're being smuggled out um, on this um, on this. The, through a you know series of of households to country to the coast on a boat and then back to the UK, and of course the first stop in Rome would be to get them into St Peter's Basilica where they're safe and sound. The hero of this is Monsignor Hugh O'Flaherty, who's from County Kerry in Ireland, and he's been living in Rome for many years. And herein lies his his special talent because he has a photographic memory and he knows every nook and cranny of Rome. So, of course, to pick this book up and read it as I was arriving in Rome was such a treat. And he, uh, Hugh works with a group of people. They call themselves, his agents, they call themselves the choir and they meet once a week and they actually do sing, but they pass on information via different Bach cantatas and uh, different bits of music that they sing. And as they sing, they're passing on information to one another. A great supporting cast, including the Contessa Giovanna Landini, who is mourning the loss of her beloved husband, but is right by 
uh, Father Hugh or Monsignor Hugh's side. Um, there's Delia Kernan, who is the wife of a senior Irish diplomat to the Vatican, and uh, a couple of others, in particular Enzo Angelucci, who is an Italian news agent who just um, risks everything to help. He has to, you know, believes in the cause. It's a great book. It's an incredible book. Uh, uh, one of the one of the most exciting opening chapters you'll read, and it keeps you on your toes to the very end. Nothing is predictable about this novel. I loved it. Everybody will love it. I think. Just think, um, Oscar Schindler in Tom Keneally's Schindler's Ark, which then became the film Schindler's List, and you've got a rough idea of um, of uh, Monsignor O'Flaherty. So I reckon there's a movie in this. I keep thinking, probably Colin. Firth might be play the the main character. I'm not sure. The but, Monsignor. Um, yeah, I think I th- he might be a tad old. I think because Hugh does a bit of running in this, so maybe he might be a bit old. Please not Tom Cruise. And um, yeah, I just recommend this book highly. I thought it was absolutely wonderful, and in, and indeed, it would make a very good book club book because there are lots of themes and lots of issues and 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 conflicts in conscience that I think um, book clubs would find interesting discussion points. So that's My Father's House by Joseph O'Connor. Maybe I'm going to continue on the road of keeping you reading thrillers, Corrie, which is Mm. great news. I know. It was a bit unexpected for me, Caro, to pick up a thriller, but I was addicted. I've seen that book at bookshops and I've seen Joseph O'Connor. I had no idea he was related to Sinead. Have you ever read him? I don't think so. I, don't I think, think I'm so. going to start now. I think I am going to start because because he um, he I, has this. I mean, one of the reviews I read of this book, they said Joseph O'Connor continues with his uh, vivid imagination and his beautiful prose, and that's exactly what this book is. So, um, highly recommend. Now, what are what? Are, dear Barbie, oh God, let's just cut. To Look, the I, chase. I went let's to hear. I went to see Barbie on Sunday night. Um, People are still, and this we should start by saying it is just so sad that that the Sorrento Cinema, our favourite cinema, closed down earlier this year because movies, thanks to Barbie and Oppenheimer, at the moment are having an all-time high. This has broken all manner of box office records. Barbie actually beat Oppenheimer in the opening weekend, but they both did absolutely brilliantly. Um, Barbie Heimer, as everyone's calling it, <laughs> and um, I think there were double features all around town as there were in America, as there have been in Europe. People went to one, then the other. I'd probably go, I reckon I'd go Oppenheimer, then Barbie. Did um, you dress up in a pink frock? No, but I was accidentally wearing, well, I was wearing pink lipstick and my jacket had a touch of pink in it. A lot of people in pink, a lot of mothers and kids, a lot of photo booths outside the um, Como cinema where I was, the pink photo booth where you could be photographed in the booth. Um, I went with some dear friends, including one dear friend, our lovely friend Thea, whose mother, the beautiful Sarah Guest, had died over the weekend. I was really sad to, after, when you told me that. I was hugely fond of Sarah Guest and her brilliant gardens. She's a, a very, very talented and beautiful woman and she died after a short illness and Thea's been out here from London being with her mum and, um, look, it was just I think it was a nice thing for her to do just to have... Um, a bit of an escape. I would urge people to take their children to Barbie because it's completely suitable. The jokes will be totally over their heads, but go anyway. Um, to I, cut- must, I must say, I've tried to work, make sense of the plot and I can't. Oh, no. Yeah, look, it's a crazy... On what I've read. It's a crazy plot. It's very gender-specific. 
Um, the, the story is that Barbie and Ken lead an idyllic life in Barbie land. In Barbie land, everything is perfect. Um, the men and women don't have proper anatomies and all the girls are called Barbie and all the boys are called Ken. Oh, so there's no skipper? No, there is there is skipper and there's a very sad pregnant midge who never really took <laughs> off, as they say, in Mattel. I remember midge, somebody gave me a midge for my birthday. I was very midges, upset Midge is played by Emerald Fennell, you know, who played Camilla Parker <laughs> Bowles in The Crown. Oh, yeah. And, um, and who wrote and directed A Promising Young Woman. Like, it's yeah. a fascinating cast. One of the main Kens is the former forensic examinator from Vera. You know, there's a, an amazing support cast. America Ferreira is brilliant. So is Will Ferrell. Can Rob I, Brydon even bobs up at one oh, point. Oh, I love Rob. Uh, so tell me about Margot Robbie and... Of course, Ryan Gosling, one of the reviews I read last week, they said this is one of his finest performances yet. He is brilliant. He overacts to the nth degree. He sings, he dances, he hams it up. He absolutely pokes fun at himself and at all men, and it is brilliant. Margot Robbie is perfect, perfect as Barbie. Helen Mirren, as the narrator, is sensational, and do we see Helen Mirren no, or do we just hear her voice? No, but she cuts in in very, one very funny scene. She cuts into the actual dialogue at one point. This is a story about how people treat their dolls and how it can affect their dolls and the consequences of that. It's a story about what happens when Barbie and Ken go to the real world and Ken realises that in the real world it's a patriarchy because women run Barbie land. Oh, okay. And every night is girls' night and poor old Ken gets, you know, Shut off. And what happens to their anatomy when they cross to the real world? Well, you've got to watch, go to the movie. Oh, okay. That, 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 sort of, that happens sort of towards the end. And, a, and so little kiddies won't be shocked and horrified? That's the thing. It, it, it is a film for everyone. The only thing I would say is I want to go back. The, the script was written by Greta Gerwig, you know, who mm. we just love, a brilliant actor, and she's now turned her hand to directing, obviously, most famously with Little Women, most recently. She's written this with her partner, Noah Bornbach, and they apparently were told by Mattel, do whatever you like, go your hardest. I mean, this is a merchandising, you know, it, it's so fascinating. There's a lot about the history of Barbie, I mean, did you know that there was mastectomy Barbie? There's there, all... there are a lot of, uh, and I'm not even going to call them politically correct, there are a lot of Barbies that relate to a lot of women for different, for whatever particular reasons that they, you know, I it, mean, it's... starting in our day with, you know, Dr. Barbie. Oh, well, when, well, when well you that's the point about Barbie Land. girls couldn't be doctors. In Barbie Land, Barbie is a writer, she's a doctor, she's everything, but... Margot Robbie is your common or garden Barbie. She's your perfect Barbie. And she starts having these bad thoughts and they relate to someone in the real world. Okay, don't give it so away. So Barbie and Ken actually go to the real world and, and they're pretty shocked by what they see. And and it becomes quite dramatic and there's a car chase. and The way they send up men and women, like the songs the women sing when they're on a girl's road trip, as opposed to the songs men think women want to hear when they're singing to their women, is just hysterical. There are some brilliant performances, some brilliant support performances. It sounds great. I can't Look, wait. It, it, it's, a, it's a total trip. I mean, it really But I need, I do need to be aware if there's any, any sort of vague sexual innuendo or anything like no. that. No. Sitting down with the Ballarat gang who love Elton John and watching, what's the Elton John bio, biopic called again? Rocket Man. Yeah, Rocket Man. And then it comes to the scene when there's the party at the house 
and we have to turn the television off. <laughs> a few, a few um, special mentions. Um, Emma Mackey, who you will have seen in a lot of things as one of the Barbies. Um, Kate McKinnon as Weird Barbie, who has to keep doing the splits all the time because her owner kept making her do the splits. And Michael Serra or Chera as Alan. You know, oh, <laughs> yeah, Alan. Oh, look, it is just... Alan and Midge never really took off. Well, poor old pregnant Midge. He just stands in a corner all the time. Look, it, it is just a... And is Skipper, but is Skipper Bubby's sister, you the see, baby sister? You see, Skipper doesn't play a huge role, but Skipper's there. They're all there. Skipper was big in my life. I, well, I had a Skipper yeah. and, and it's funny. But um, she, they, she wasn't, a, her sh- her feet weren't positioned that she could wear high heel shoes. You know how Barbie stands on her toes? Yes. Skipper had flat feet, so well, you could never actually slip the... Well, the, 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 feet, the flat feet and the standing on your toes is a major part of the script. And the other thing, the other thing, I, and I don't think they'll mind me mentioning this, because um, you talk a lot about Fiona Brockoff and you spent some time on the road with her promoting her new book, Another Brilliant Gardener. Well, Thea was telling me that Fiona has the most incredible collection of vintage Barbies via her elder sister, Sarah. Wow. Apparently, dating back from the fifties. Oh wow! Now I don't want anyone to sort of, you know, I don't want to put her in any security danger here because they're probably worth a lot of money. But, but maybe, maybe, maybe Fee instead of opening her gardens for open garden scheme, she could open her Barbie collection well, for Barbie Day. Thea just dropped this at the end of the movie, and we were killing ourselves. Well, you know, I can still remember. You can probably too, Caro. Miss Jane, maybe not so much because she's younger than us, but I can remember the girls at school who had the brilliant Barbie collection. Just a quick shout out to Gretchen Tutton and Marcella Hunter. I remember your Barbies. I remember when it was a bit like Derwin's. Asked me to go there over was a lot play. of envy. When you asked me to go and play, I was in there like Flynn. And meanwhile, my mother knitted my Barbie outfits, yes. which... Jane, no, 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 no. Not in 1971, Jane. A knitted Barbie gown was not cool. A lot of people brought up stories about how their mothers, well, Thea wasn't allowed to have Barbies. I only received Barbies because other relatives or friends of friends gave them to me. I don't think mum ever bought me a Barbie. And then Mary, another friend at the movie, reminded me of the time she didn't let her daughter or maybe she just her daughter didn't have dolls. And one day Margot came around to play at our house and she just disappeared into the room with the doll's house and the dolls. And apparently I said, Mary, what are you doing? Buy that child dolls. You mean mother. And she just and she realised she had to buy her dolls. I mean, there was a lot of people who didn't allow Barbie and Barbie because Barbie was so perfect. Oh, the I, thing couldn't, about, I couldn't give a rats. I couldn't wait for my children to discover Barbie because that would mean that I could do dress-ups too. But interestingly, neither girls, nor indeed Will, took to Barbie. No. Um, and she just sort of sat there in a box with a few outfits. I think I was the only one who played with her. I've, I've still got my Sydney Olympics yellow briefcase with Olympic Barbie. In oh, it. That's a, but that, that, that could be worth quite a bit on eBay. Another thing about um, Barbie is that this these Barbies come in all shapes and sizes. The one on, on the, in in the, the film. film. Yes. They're every colour. They're, they're big. They're small. And so they should be. The costumes are... Are they old? Do they have older Barbie for us? Well, there's one old character who plays a fascinating role too. Wrinkly Barbie. <laughs> there's a brilliant... Is there facelift um, Barbie? No, they're... they're Botox actually, Barbie. They're all, they're all young and pretty gorgeous. There's some great dance scenes, some great music scenes. And um, interestingly, the review in The Week in Australian, which I often read, 
was pretty lukewarm. It was three and a half stars compared I bet to that Oppenheimer. Wasn't, I bet four that and wasn't half. your David. It wasn't your, David. Yeah, David wouldn't. I bet it was that Stephen Romer who gave it three and a half stars. Yeah, it, it sort of said it was good, but it could have been. I just thought it was very, very clever. Anyway, well done, Barbie. Great. So that's Barbie. You're going to, uh, we're going to talk Crostini. Yeah, we are. Well, it was just uh, the la- the very last meal I had. I don't actually, I don't have an actual recipe for this dish, Caro, but I can pretty much do it off by heart. It was the last meal that um, I had before I came home. So it was the last meal in Rome and it was lunch and it was a trio of crostini, which are different to bruschetta because bruschetta is the bigger, thicker piece of, uh, I guess, a breadstick and crostini is a thinner slice of um, of, of old bread that you'll cut and either toast or put in the oven with a bit of oil on it. And this trio arrived on my platter. Not a, not a big dish, but absolutely delicious. The first little crostini had a creamy gorgonzola. I think it was a gorgonzola with one anchovy on top of it. It had just been warmed in... Not a white anchovy, but an anchovy, an out, actual of, anchovy. out of the tin, yeah. like one of those ortiz. Yeah, or one that's of those. right. Yep. So... Um, so it had just been heated, so the cheese had melted ever so slightly, and the but the anchovy was whole because you know as soon as they get hot and they they cook up, they they tend to break down and turn into a paste. The second one and it was just the perfect combination, and if you found the gorgonzola a bit um, tart, as some people do, I guess you could put a tiny little bit of cream or something in it just to break it down a bit. The second crostini was the old tomato, mozzarella, and um, fresh basil on top, but they had made their own pesto sauce and they had just scraped it, not a lot of it, just scraped it on the bottom of this gorgeous combination, perfect. And then the third crostini was smoked salmon and rocket on top of ricotta. So the ricotta had been sliced across the top of the toast or the crostini with the salmon and the rocket on top. It was just such a lovely presentation. And I, I thought, you know, that's actually, we were talking before about dinner in front, Friday night dinner in front of the footy. You could actually do that, just you and Brendan, and have one taste each. And it's perfect. It was just beautiful meal. So that it sounds like a good, or a good bar snack, in fact. Good bar snacks. And there were lots of things you and I talked about. We might do that another day about things that we wanted to that we were inspired by it when we were away and what we want to cook more of and try more of. Certainly a couple for me would be veal scallopine. And, um, yeah, the best meal I had in Florence at Camillo's restaurant, that was the best veal scallopini. Veal Melt scallopini, in mouth. It's just, it is such a great dish. And um, cuttlefish pasta, which is black ink. It comes black ink and, um, I, you know, just to, just to be able to get the taste right with that one would be my um, probably my summer brief, I reckon. And I'm anyway. planting zucchinis because I'm inspired everywhere I went. As I said um, a couple of weeks ago, zucchinis were everywhere, everywhere. in every dish. Everywhere, great everywhere. Great pasta, great, as, great um, fried up with a bit of flour, great as a carpaccio with something on top. They're just a really versatile vegetable and they are the new big thing. And you julienne them in a salad with some lemon juice. There's nothing yummier. Oh, and a frittata. Beautiful. It's got to squeeze out a lot of the liquid, but once you do that. Yeah, give zucchini a hug. So, Corrie, um, that was BSNF, an extended review of Barbie. Um, we should mention, in fact, um, I should mention the other main star of Barbie is horses, and I'll just leave it at that. Oh, really? Um, yep, horses. 
Thank you to Red Energy, of course, Australia's most trusted energy providers by CanStar. Three times, in fact, and the number to call for Real Aussie Energy is 131806. What can you possibly be grumpy about, Corrie Perkin? This is one from a few weeks ago, Carol. I've now done this three times, and I suspect Miss Jane and anybody who heads west to West Melbourne regions, particularly Ballarat, will know this one. If you're driving across the Westgate Bridge... Not another driving one. Yes. <laughs> I know you've missed them. You've missed me. So you're driving towards... You haven't missed my driving in Lake Como, I oh, imagine. <laughs> you, I've told a few people the story of you knocking off the off the, off the side mirror. Um, and... and knock, that's not true. No, that is not true. No. And how well did I drive? You drove really well, but that you realise now this is the second time on the podcast past podcast you've asked me to tell everybody what a, you were a great driver, and in fact, I told everybody who was struggling with the narrow lanes last year, last week, your story. Anyway, back to driving. So, if you're going to Ballarat and you decide to take um, the the Westgate Geelong Road and then turn off at the Western Ring Road to then get onto Ballarat Road. I have done this three times because of the roadworks that are going on just as you come off the Westgate Bridge. Nine times out of ten, you'll be in the wrong lane for the Western Ring Road. Miss Jane's head's going to knock off. She's nodding so (laughs) vigorously. I'm with you, sister. I'm so with you. Do not listen to Svetlana on your GPS because she gets it wrong. And why is there no big sign, Jane? The sign is Insane. about saying the sign is the size of an A4 notepad. Yes. Oh, by the way, Western Ring Road there, and you did that. You're on the road to Geelong, so then you have to drive to Geelong, and to do a U-turn, you probably go what four kilometres, and then you have to do the U-turn and either come back, and do the freeway and do it that way, or I just cut through now the the guts of I don't know where I am really Braybrook or somewhere. <laughs> No idea. Uh, West Footscray, wherever I am, and eventually get back onto the Ballarat Road. But yep. can Potties tell me, am I the only person who doesn't know how to get onto the Western Ring Road from no, the No, it changes. Geelong? It's been changing every couple of weeks because they're rerouting ramps and lanes. And the worst thing is people that just go, oops, and shoot across six lanes of traffic in front of you. It is so dangerous. <laughs> it is. Thank you, Jane. You, know, you see, Kara, well, it's not just me that has a problem with the traffic. Anyway, I'd love to hear if anybody else is, um, is grumpy about that too. So Corrie's grumpy about an automobile issue yet again, but she's clearly um, on the money because Miss Jane was in vigorous agreement. Corrie, time for six quick questions. Also for Red Energy, what was your one best purchase of the holiday? I am so looking forward to hearing about this. I think I know what it is. Do you? Well, I hope it's that beautiful stripy dress you bought in Florence with the fabulous belt. No, it's not, even though that was a really good buy for 90 euro. Um no, my best purchase of the holiday, and this is a real, this is a GLT wrapped into um, uh, wrapped into a question. <laughs> is that like I, an enigma wrapped in a ribble? <laughs> well, it was all a bit of a rush to go away. I hadn't planned anything of the right size of anything, 100 mils in plans or any of that stuff. And I had a small, I tried to keep a small cosmetics bag, which when you have contact lenses and glasses like I do, you really, there's not a lot of room left. So... I decided that I would, on day one or day two, go to my favourite um, El Cheapo place over there to buy makeup. So I didn't take any moisturiser, Caro. I took nothing. I took a little. I had a little bit of Elo Botanical left in the bottom of a bottle, 
which saved me on the plane because I put it on the face about six times so I didn't look like a prune. Met you and Trude's in Como that night. The next morning we're walking. There's Kiko, K-I-K-O, ladies and gentlemen. It is like Sephora, but it's a little less expensive. And I went in there and I did what I've done before, which is buy a jar of moisturizer. And it did me, and dare I say Peter as well, um, for the five weeks. Finished the tub two days before I left. Don't you love that? perfectly organised, but it meant that I didn't have to take any of those cumbersome jars that we all take to try and keep our faces moisturised. The other good thing, can I say, is that suntan lotion in Europe tends to be very expensive. So if you are going overseas travelling to to sunny climes, throw in a bottle of um, the plus 30 or plus 50 from your local chemist or supermarket. Caro, what is the most inspired piece of TV casting you've seen for ages and ages? Well, Corrie, it is a decision to make, and and the fact that he has agreed to do it because it's killed many careers in the past, Sam Pang to host the Logies this weekend. Sam Pang, first of all, the Logies haven't had a host, I think, since 2011. That's how bad a gig it is. Nobody wants to do it. You'll get the death wish. You'll get some comedian, you know, like Julia Morris or um, Husey or someone doing a monologue at the beginning, but no one has hosted it. Now, um, I, I don't know Sam Pang super well, and whenever I see him, he claims I used to send him out to pick up my dry cleaning at 3AW, which is a complete lie. He even claimed I thought he was a Chinese um, takeaway delivery man one day. Again, a complete lie. He, it's he, a good gag, though. He, rec- um, he apparently, if you go to those Q ratings, he's one of the most popular people in Australia. He is so funny. He's so likeable. He's such a lovely person. I agree. And he's, I mean, He's very clever. It, it is just, it's just such a brilliant idea. It's on Channel 7 this year, which is a bit of a change. And look, I don't know if I'd, I, I haven't watched the Logies properly for years, but I reckon I'll give it a crack with Sam Pang hosting it. And I just think, you know, apparently, I think he started his career as a, um, he was helping out um, Bruce and Phil on 3AW. <laughs> and he's just, he, you know, he's been a radio star. Obviously, um, the Wednesday night football show, the front bar he does on Channel 7 is just so good. But Sam Pang, I reckon it's an absolutely brilliant idea. So good luck to him. I'm sure that um, even the Logies won't be able to end his career. Corrie, three suitcase items you couldn't do without. My one-season dress. Well, actually, oh. I had two one-season dresses. So one season is a label, everybody, and you... By the brilliant Shani Bennett. Oh, by brilliant Shani. Love you, Shani. Love your work. So this dress, you don't have to iron. You wash it. You hang it up in the bathroom. It's dry that night. You can wear it again the next day. As and you repeat did, and day repeat. after day after day. <laughs> Yes, I know. It was a bit. Of, it was a lot of discussion. It looks about, Do you fabulous. Have anything else? But you can wrap it. You. you can wrap them around in a little ball and stick them in your suitcase. They're fantastic. The second tip, um, which worked really well for me, was to have two black t-shirts, short sleeve t-shirts. You know, you can wear a black t-shirt with anything Cara. as an exercise garment, as a as a garment over a lovely silk pant or skirt. Couldn't agree more. We obviously watched my wardrobe for the week. <laughs> the third thing is I dished I, I, I dished the um, 
the sleeping tablets this time. I thought, no, I'm going to, I'm not going to take a sleeping tablet on the airplane. But I did take my melatonin with me, which is a natural uh, substance, and you can buy it over the counter at a chemist shop. And um, I found that really helpful. Sometimes, well, first, certainly the first couple of days you arrive somewhere, and I will take one tonight. It just helps you, calms you down, and gets you to sleep. But then also sometimes you change hotels or you change rooms after you sometimes do you often find like on the run you're like what hotel room are you in tonight or I just found if I took one at night it calmed me down not to be taken excessively but here and there it was really helpful. <laughs> Tony Jones just got back from overseas you know the sports presenter on nine and he um He's been suffering really badly from jet lag. He doesn't take sleeping pills and he'd never taken melatonin melatonin melatonin. Which Not is melons. melatonin, which became famous, of course, in the Essendon drug scandal because players, um, coaches were taking them and getting good suntans. Tony um, took five. He took five. He was asked to fill in for Neil Mitchell the other day because um, Neil um, had a, an illness in the family. Um, and why did he take five? <laughs> he took five. I said, "Why did you take five? He said, "Well, I, I thought that was the instruction I read on the packet." What? He walked, he walked into makeup on Monday like an absolute zombie. He, he, he looked, he looked, he looked just wired. And yeah, anyway, I have to say, take this thing when you're going straight to bed because there was one night when I took it, and and then someone said, "Oh." Do you want a cup of tea? And apparently I was speaking in a second language an hour later, <laughs> so I just watched that. Um, Caro, um, what major Australian lifestyle ruling came into effect last week, was it? And caused barely a ripple. I'm trying to sure, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking, what on earth did I read? Tell me what it was. In Canberra, the pension age was right, the age um, of retirement was lifted from 65 to 67. Did you even know that? No, I didn't. In France, in France, they're demonstrating. You know, they're, they're dropping off flares on the streets. They're causing havoc. Remember in Italy when they lifted it from like fifty to fifty-five or something? They were, they were dropping bombs in back gardens. I'm not not bombs. I'm sorry, but there was you know there was massive demonstration. Certainly You're in right. France. Right here in Australia, we go. Oh, well, did just another even, two. Years. Did you even know? <laughs> and also, and also. Really, do we care? Uh, well, you and I are going to be working toward well, 91 anyway. Exactly. I mean, on a day, we actually are talking today on a day that Mick Jagger has turned 80. So I don't, he only, has he hung up the boots on the guitar? No, he, has he, a, he has not. Absolutely not. Corey, what's your one trip for culture lovers heading to Italy? Always look up. No, oh, that is a very, very good Always tip. look up, everybody. If you're walking down a street, the architectural details on the tops of some of these buildings, the ceiling mosaics in some of the domes, the church domes. Italy in particular, you look up and you'll see somebody's done something extraordinary with a balcony or a rooftop garden. They're really into vertical planting and lots of veggie patches on the top of apartment buildings. Painted ceilings, Caro. The Pitti Palace. Oh, my goodness. And Uffizi, St. Peter's. And a hundred other churches I visited. The painting of the ceilings. Always look up, everybody. That would be my big tip. And what's your amazing fact for this week? Well, it's probably more interesting than amazing. When I say the word limbo to you, you think about um, somebody suspended, maybe between a decision, maybe between life and death, maybe between a major occurrence. I think of that the Catholic thing of children who don't, who or souls who don't move from one place to the other. Limbo 
is something that at the moment, if you turned on your TV, a streaming service, the ABC, looked at the movies, there are four productions all made in the last two or three years, all called Limbo. One of them, the fourth, is called In Limbo. And it's a... um, it's an AB, It's a series that just finished on the ABC, starring um, Bob Morley, who um, was in the Hundred in America, and Love Me, and Ryan Kaur from um, Bob Morley's also a former Australian soapy star. Ryan Kaur, Ladies in Black, Packed to the Rafters, Holding the Man. It's a it's a comedy drama um, about two best mates, and it focuses he- focuses heavily on men's health and depression. Really, very very good series. Um, so you're saying if I tapped into my device Limbo, I want to watch Limbo, four different things would come up. It is so confusing. There is a brilliant movie I watched on the ABC two weeks ago from the um, makers of Mystery Road, the bloke Ivan Sen who made Mystery Road. It's called Limbo. It stars um, Simon Baker as, um, oh, it's it's really good and Emma... um, Emma Natasha Wanganin is also in it. It's about a, a cop, a heroin addicted cop, who leaves a big city and and goes to. Well, it's it's set in it's filmed in Coober in a fictional town called Limbo, and he's um investigating the death of an Aboriginal girl um twenty years earlier. And like a lot of these, um, it's filmed in black and white. It is really really good. It um the hotel he stayed stays in is called the Limbo Hotel, and it's like a hotel in a cave. Extra Extraordinary, great performance by Simon Baker. There is a, there was a series, a, a f- film made not that long ago. I think it was in twenty twenty or twenty one. It was COVID interrupted. It should have made its debut debut at Cannes, set in Scotland, and it's about um, a group of asylum seekers. In fact, that um, it's an, actually an English film, but set in Scotland about a group of refugees, asylum seekers stuck on a um, Scottish island. But the one that is totally gripping me at the moment, also called Limbo. I can't believe this. I know. And it only came out um, this year. It's on SBS On Demand. Oh, Corrie, it is, it's pretty gruelling. And it is just called Limbo? It's called Limbo. Okay, everyone, all SBS called Limbo. On Demand. It's about three women friends. My sister put me onto it and their families and what happens to their lives when three boys, um, their sons, or in one case a stepson, have a serious car accident that should never have happened. Oh. It stars, um, oh, you know, that brilliant... It's a, the, the three best friends are absolutely brilliant. It's, it's written and produced by Raquel Warmlander, whose performance is ever um, one of the mothers, this woman whose life completely falls apart after her son is one of the boys involved in the accident. Her best friend, Mai, is Sophia Helen, who is, um, you know, from Atlantic Crossing and mm. the bridge. Yeah, yeah, place yeah. a queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is absolutely brilliant in it. She is... She is a woman who is married to a woman and she is a stepmother of one of the boys. And the third um, actor is um, Louise Peterhoff, who is a very complex character. This is a six-part series of... oh. set in Stockholm and and also in the the beautiful um on one of the beautiful islands. Um, this is very complicated for potties. They I think Miss Jane will have a lot of correspondence in her mailbag there next are, week. Uh, uh, we... Which limbo? And in fact, the the great Debbie Enker wrote a really good review of the Swedish series. She also wrote a great review of In Limbo, the Australian drama series that just finished on the ABC. But she differentiates between the four because I kept going, 
My sister said, you've got to watch Limbo. I said, I did with Simon Baker the other night. It was a movie on the ABC on Sunday night soon after I returned home from overseas. No, 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 no. This is the Swedish Swedish one. one. But look, Brendan and I are almost through the Swedish one. It is so well acted. It's pretty grueling. It's upsetting. But it's... It, it's a fascinating story of a friendship between boys and a friendship between three women and what happens to families when well, an accident like this happens. But In Limbo's good too. And this British movie about the asylum seekers is good as well. So how amazing. Obviously, they felt Limbo was a good title. Good good word and a good dance too with a pole. <laughs> <laughs> I blame it on the jet lag. What can I say? What can I say? By the way, just speaking of the plane, I, the Fablemans, I finally saw the Fablemans. Oh, it's good, isn't it? Oh, I bawled my eyes out. It's a very, very good film. Brilliant performances, particularly by... Michelle um, Williams. Who plays the mother, who plays Steven Spielberg's mother. She didn't win the Oscar, did she? No, she should have. Gee, that was she a should great have. performance. Yeah, well, anyway, there's no, another tip. That, that's not talk, fair, but she was very good. Others. Talk about a, um, a, a pat, jam-packed with GLTs this week. Corrie is going to head out in her summer frock, her completely inappropriate summer frock. And take a melatonin and go to bed. Don't take five like Tony Jones. (laughs) To the wilds of the Melbourne winter. Corrie, it's great to have you back. Thank you to our show sponsors, Red Energy. It's great to have you, Red Energy. Thank you to Prince Wine Store. And Corrie, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. Thanks for listening to this episode of Don't Shoot the Messenger. And if you'd like to support the podcast, tell a friend about the show. Perhaps they haven't discovered it yet. You can send us an email to feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook using the handle at don'tshootpod and sign up for our weekly email. We'll send you the show notes straight to your inbox. And of course, thanks to our show sponsors, Red Energy and Prince Wine Store. Hi, it's producer Jane Neild here, and when I'm not producing Don't Shoot the Messenger, I have the pleasure of jumping in a podcast studio every couple of weeks with Shana Blaze, of course, interior designer, judge on the block. Shana, the Homestyle Podcast, it's DIY, it's design, it's renovation. What can people expect? Uh, solving problems, I think. You know, we get, you know, we have our little hashtag, what would Shana do? So people have questions of like, you know, I'm going through this at the moment. How can I solve it? But it's also talking about how we can save money. What are the new things coming out? And just talking how your lifestyle works with your home rather than you trying to fit into your home. You'll find a link in the show notes to this episode of Don't Shoot the Messenger. And you can subscribe to the Homestyle Podcast with Shana Blaze wherever you get your podcasts.